Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Here's a question. Did you know an all-bond portfolio can earn up to 6.88% yield? As interest rates plateau and eventually begin to drop, Betterment is offering the BlackRock Target Income Portfolio, a 100% bond portfolio that can be a smart alternative to cash. Here's a couple more reasons why you may want to consider BlackRock Target Income Portfolio. First, it has four different yield targets to choose from based on your preferred level of risk. Second, it's built by BlackRock, one of the world's leading asset managers. And third, while it's still an investing product, it's generally less risky than stocks alone. But did you really hear anything after? After up to 6.88% yield, Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Learn more at Betterment.com slash bonds. As of 4.1924 for the aggressive target income portfolio, blended 30-day SEC yield is the weighted average of 30-day SEC yields, standardized calculation for each ETF in the portfolio, net of fees 0.25%. Yield is not performance. Investment returns may vary. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Betterment, not BlackRock, is responsible for its advisory relationships with clients. Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It's Friday, June 17th. And woo wee. Today, as I record this, it's 421 p.m. And all I could think about was that Martha and the Vandellas song. Nowhere to run to, baby. Nowhere to hide. Okay, sorry. Sorry to do that to you. Maybe Mark will play the clip instead. Well, the market collapsed again, and there really was no place to run to. There was nowhere to hide. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down 740 points, 2.4%. It was the first time we closed below 30,000 since January of 2021. S&P 500 down three and a quarter percent. NASDAQ down at 10,646. Now we're at the lowest level since November of 2020. And the Russell 2000 also down 4.7%. Yowza. And the reason why I say nowhere to hide is that the 10-year treasury is up at 3.248%. So that means that when you look at your portfolio, which I do not suggest you do, that you're going to see losses in your stock positions this year and in your bond positions. There really is not a great alternative right now in terms of where you're going to find respite. A lot of the money that's coming out of the stock market appears to just be parked in cash. And what caused all of this selling just a day after markets rallied? I told you not to get used to this, gang. This is crazy making. Investors seem to think on second thought that the Fed is not going to be able to engineer this so-called soft landing, that the Fed's policies themselves could cause a recession. They're going to raise rates by too much too quickly or that it's too late and that consumers and businesses are going to take matters in their own hands, stop spending, and that will cause a recession. Not such a great choice there, recession or recession. We're not there yet, but what is clear is that there is a total repricing of risk right now. So that means that while we wait to see what happens, you have to take matters into your own hands. 
that doesn't mean you have to do anything with your portfolio. It means, again, you have to control what you can control. You've got a long-term game plan. I know it stinks to go through a bear market. I know that it feels terrible to pull up those accounts and to look at the money that seems to have vanished, but nothing's vanished yet. Presumably, you haven't sold anything in the portfolio. Again, you're sticking to the plan that you have articulated. And only if you need your money within the next year should you be moving anything around. That said, I know you're compelled to do something. So here's the something that you can do. Why don't you get in touch with us? Go to JillOnMoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and we will hold your hand. We'll answer your question. We'll walk you through and let you understand whether the game plan is worth sticking to. I bet it is. That's my guess. And I know this is a time where you really need some hand-holding. We are here for you. Mark and I are here for you. So please just let us know how we can help. We're going to throw a few extra email episodes in because we know you've got a lot of questions and it's tough to schedule you to get online. So let's start out with a question from Jerry, who is asking about Roth conversions. Here it is. It would seem to me it makes the most sense to do Roth conversions when markets are down. That is so true. Good point, Jerry. Since the effect of the tax liability now should be lessened by the gains that would ultimately be realized by repurchasing equities in a Roth that will gain tax-free. Yeah. I mean, well, the conversion of of a traditional into a Roth is just all about the tax liability. And then, you know, it is so cool to be able to reduce that tax liability. And you know you want to do a Roth anyway. It's great. But don't forget, Jerry, that you need to have the money outside of your retirement account to do this conversion. And I think that what's really important is that when you do those conversions, you always forget about this because, you know, people are doing other things, they're worried about their bear markets, but you're reducing that so that you can actually make sure that your required minimum distributions are lower. And then you may not have to pay that IRMA and you don't have to have your taxes higher later. So great idea. I think I'm doing a segment on TV about like, what do you do in a, in a um, you know, if you think a recession is coming in in a bear market, I think a Roth conversion is being added to my list. Hat tip to Jerry. So well done, Jerry. Thank you. This one is from Laura. Oh, here's the subject, Mark. Did we make a mistake paying off the house? Terry, this is dedicated to you, okay? Um, All right, here's the question. My husband graduated from law school and had a hard time paying off his student loans, about 170,000, Mark, 170. Um, They finished that off a few years ago. They relocated to a new area and he was able to make a lot more money. That's awesome. After being in his current position for about three years, he paid off all those student loans. It's great. Made him feel good. We made extra money on the stocks during the pandemic. And so he used that money to pay off the house. I was opposed to the idea. We had refinanced and he they've gotten they had a mortgage rate of 2.45% mark. <sighs> he put all the extra cash we made on stocks into a into a house, meaning to pay down the mortgage. So the house is paid off. He's a longtime listener of another podcast where you are encouraged to pay off any type of loan, including a mortgage. My husband did not contribute any money toward his retirement until he paid off all of the student loans. It is nice that we have greatly reduced our monthly expenses. I feel way behind in my retirement savings. My husband is 38. I am 40. Combined, we make about $300,000 a year. They've got $100,000 in brokerage, two eighty dollars in retirement, 70,000 is his, 210 is hers. 
40000 in savings. That's great. 30000 in a 529 for their four-year-old son. And so they also have this paid-off house. This is worth $280,000. I have about $50,000 in my rollover IRA, which I've not converted. So we're not doing the back door. Should I convert this to a Roth? Hmm. That's one question. Um, and start doing backdoor IRA, backdoor Roth IRA. How can we catch up on our retirement savings? Mark, do you presume that they are maxing out their retirement accounts right now? I was trying to figure out if she has a current 401k, then I would just probably, instead of converting it, I would probably just roll that into the 401k. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Take the 50 grand that's in your rollover, and if you can, roll it into your $70,000 retirement, whatever that is, if you can. Um, You should just be putting money away and then opening a brokerage account. I'm not going to beat up on your husband about this. He did it. It's done. You know, what can we do? You know, he probably feels like he made a genius move because he said, I made all this money during the pandemic and I paid off the house. He may be right for this next year. And then 25 years, 20 years from now, when we look back, we're going to say, had he kept all his money, invested in a diversified portfolio of index, stock, bond, commodity, little cash, he would have absolutely had more money than 2.45%. Okay, that's all. But he did it. So we're done. So max out your retirement accounts, roll over your old 50 into the current plan if you can, start jamming on the brokerage account, and that's it. We're not going to dwell on that. Okay. Stacy writes, subject, is it too late to fund a 529 for a 15-year-old? The message, we recently have full custody of my stepson. We always knew we would help pay for his college, but we never set up a specific education fund. He has three years left of high school. Should we just keep putting away and investing in index funds as we have been, or should we invest specifically in a 529 plan? We live in Texas. I mean, a 529 plan would be great. I mean, you don't have to do anything with those other funds. But remember, the money that you are investing inside of a 529 plan avoids federal taxes. I don't think there's, is there a state income tax in Texas? I don't think there is. So you have no deduction and there's no state income tax, but you will still avoid any sort of other taxes. So yeah, I would go ahead and use it. Why not? All right. This is from Tom. Jill. I like when they say like, Jill. I have a lot of equities with a heavy weighting in the tech sector, specifically the FANG stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. Since April, we've seen a 35% drop in Amazon. By the way, when did this come in? Last Friday? It's a little bit worse today. 35% drop in Amazon, 12% drop in Apple. Should we hold, hedge, or shift at this point? (laughs) I presume that the equities you hold, Tom, are this is this your fun money account or your real account? You know, listen, it is okay. If you took a flyer and you've been investing for uh, quite some time in some individual stocks and this is your fun money account, I'm not going nuts on it, you know? And I'm not going to tell you, I don't know when the market's going to turn around. I don't know how to time the market. Do you need this money anytime soon? Mark, is the last six to nine months an excellent lesson in rebalancing? Let's presume that Tom had this portfolio, right? In December, maybe you would think about rebalancing a couple times a year. And in December, he said, oh, I have too much money in this one area tech stocks. I'm going to reduce that. I'm going to rebalance. He reallocates. And now it's coming up the end of June. He would do it again. So maybe twice a year. 
So unless it's doing a rebalancing, I don't know. I don't I don't know what you should do. These are not companies that are going away. I mean, but they are going to be taking a long time to recover. So if you don't need the money, I wouldn't do anything. Would you, Mark? No way. I'm holding. He's hold on for dear life. Hodel. This is from Eugene. I've listened to your program for some time. Oh, a radio show listener. And here's a question. What is the amount of a fee that an advisor should charge for an IRA account? Okay. Eugene's 78, gets Social Security and a monthly amount from his IRA. No other retirement funds. He's been with this advisor about five years. And notice lately that the advisor fee is slowly increasing. About a year and a half ago, I talked with him about the fact that he was charging too much. He agreed to put it at, what am I seeing? 1.69%. And then it's now just increased to 1.76%. So here's the deal. He's got 450 grand in the IRA. Yeah, last quarter was down by 50. The advisor before was charging... I can't tell if he means one and a quarter percent. I don't know what these fixed amounts are. My son is an accountant. He advised me to change advisors. He felt the advisor had me in a risky plan. I need some advice on this matter if the fee is too much and what is the proper fee. I've not been able to talk to the advisor. I've left a message I haven't heard from. Oh, he's very sick, I've heard. I don't want to cause a problem with my son. I would like some advice on the matter. My biggest concern is the IRA needs to last for me and my wife. She only has Social Security. And it's half of his, no other retirement. She's 72. Well, I mean, I hate to kick the guy when he's down if he's sick, but you need a new advisor um, and you need someone to help you with a plan to help this money last longer. I don't know whether you need a actual physical human being or whether you need a robo advisor, but maybe you could talk to your son and have him help you move this account to say Vanguard or Betterment and try to have some advisory services associated with that. I mean, at the very least, the fee will go down. And I don't know how much more help you need. I don't know if you need a full-time financial advisor. It sounds to me like you need a money manager and an algorithm can do that. But I would check out Vanguard. But I would really want, let's have your son be part of it. Okay. All right. Next. Subject, enjoying simple pleasures now. This is from Michael. He's 36 years old. He says, I live in Oregon. I'm married with a four-month-old and a four-year-old. After having no education at all in finances, I read some books. I picked up a second job, paid off my credit card, student loan, and car. I had examples in my life from my parents, generation of people who had not done well saving and were not able to retire as they wished. And I also had examples of people who had done great financially and were able to retire on their own terms. I wanted to be able to look towards the future and plan for the future and be able to retire comfortably. So my wife and I, for years, did a great job of making and saving money and planning for the future. I found your podcast a couple of years ago, and I listened to it daily as a dose of motivation. However, I stopped listening to your podcast in October. Back in October, I saw a neurologist about some weakness in my hand. And at the time, they thought it was a motor neuron disease. Oh my God, with motor neuron disease, you've got a three to five year life expectancy. Holy crap. Being a very fit 36 year old with a beautiful wife and amazing daughter and at that time a son on the way, I was just devastated. He says, he goes on to write, money and finances took a back seat. I used to often desire a coffee from the local coffee shop in the morning or that ice cream cone from the fancy ice cream shop, but my mind always won those battles and I would think to myself that saving the money would be more beneficial. 
When they told me they thought I had motor neuron disease, I started taking advantage of every moment. I let myself buy that coffee or buy the ice cream cone for my daughter. Here we are, eight months later, and I'm on my fourth neurologist, and they still can't figure out what's wrong with me after more tests than I'd like to count. Oh, God. I'm sorry, Michael. Okay, here's the good news. My body has not deteriorated that much. I'm happy to say that I've recently started listening to your podcast again because I feel as though I have a brighter future. I felt the urge to write this email because oftentimes people like me get so caught up in planning for the future, we forget to take time every now and again to enjoy the simple pleasures and opportunities that we have here in the moment. Amen, Michael. I love this note, Mark, and I'll tell you why. Remember, who was our first guest of the podcast era? David Bach. What is the book that David Bach wrote? Uh, what is it? The Latte Factor? And in that very first interview years ago, I basically said to him, I think this is baloney. I think it's crazy. I think people should enjoy simple pleasures. I don't think that most financial problems occur because you have a latte or an ice cream cone or a cup of coffee. I think most financial problems occur because as you note, Michael, you pile up credit card debt, you have a student loans, you've got car loans, and that once you start getting yourself on track, I don't see why you would actually deprive yourself of simple pleasures, which is not to say that you should be, you know, (laughs) trying to figure out uh, how you can spend more money, but you should be able to live a life where you can do things that make you feel good without throwing your financial life into turmoil. And you know what? I hope I'm really, really sending you some good vibes. So let's like Jill on Money community send some good vibes to Michael. But Mark, I think it's a good illustration. You can't get a diagnosis and be like, okay, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind because obviously he still has a wife. He's got kids. He wants to be responsible. But I am I am a huge fan of being in the moment, of taking that vacation. It doesn't have to be the most expensive vacation, but to take that time and live your life, yeah, I'm all about this. I like this. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry about the diagnosis, but I like the message. So many times I feel like people just like, they deprive themselves and I don't know why. You don't need to. So Michael, continue to enjoy your simple pleasures. I am delighted that you can do so. And mostly I feel very strongly that if you can give yourself those simple pleasures that whatever comes next, you're going to be able to say, I'm living my life on my terms. That's what I'm doing. I'm not going to deprive myself. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to do this the right way. So good luck to you. And thank you so much for writing. Good one to end on. You know, this is my friend Raul always says that I shouldn't be calling the show Jill on money. That's the Jill on life. That's a little life lesson there, okay? So let's not make ourselves crazy about the bear market and potential recession and these things happen. Let's control what we can control and make sure that you treat yourself okay along the way. Don't go nuts, but treat yourself well. I think that's it for today. Woo, Friday. Friday, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do some business. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer, and we are distributed by the fine folks at Cadence 13. So everything we do is on the website, jillonmoney.com. A lot of TV stuff this week, huh, Mark? You can judge my hair. I don't think my hair looked very good uh, on Tuesday morning. Just going to say. I don't want to be petty, but I didn't think it looked great. And my mother hasn't called me yet, so that usually means she didn't like how I looked. (laughs) 
please, uh, if you get a chance, leave us a rating and review on Apple. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter. And uh, if you want to give us some support, my ride for the cause, you can do that right on the website as well. We want to encourage you to lift someone up today. Someone like Michael. You never know what people are going through. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.